We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. You know, right now, church, we're in the middle of a series called Follow that we started the week after Easter that really defines what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, what we're planning on doing is taking the teachings from this series and turning it into a book that we can hand people who make the decision to follow Jesus that are wondering, what's next? What does this mean now for me? And we'll be able to say, following Jesus looks like this. You know, so Petey started off the series talking about Following Jesus means getting into his word and, and trusting that the word of God is God speaking directly to us. And that's how we hear the heart of God for our lives today. And then he challenged us last week to be a part of the fellowship or the community of believers and how powerful that is in our discipleship and how we follow Jesus. So today I get the privilege to wrap up this series and follow with a message called Devoted to the Cost devoted to the cost, you know, because it's going to cost us something to follow Jesus. Are you guys ready? Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm excited. You know, um, maybe you're looking at me today and you're thinking, he looks real comfortable. I am. I am in my most favorite clothes that I own. I am in some very comfortable clothes right now. Um, and, and here's the reason. I'm kind of a walking illustration today. Uh, there's a style of clothing called athleisure. Athleisure, athletic slash leisure clothing. And, and the, the market for this has shot through the roof in the last 20 years. So you can look, if you want, you can look like, maybe I'm going to yoga class. Maybe I'm going to the gym. Maybe I'm going to Sprouts. You decide, you know, and I get to feel however I want in the moment. So, you know, this is just jogging pants life. But here's the crazy part. So I'm wearing extremely comfortable clothes. These shoes are the most expensive shoes I own. These pants are the most expensive pants I own. And they've never seen a drop of sweat. They've never seen an ounce of dirt. They've never seen anything. Now, I like hiking, but I ain't taking this stuff hiking. This is my good athleisure. Like, there's a difference. And, um, you know, today, I think it's so common for us to have a similar approach to our faith. That we can have an athleisure approach to our faith. And if we're not careful, we can have a jogging pants Christianity where we end up looking like there's a lot going on. There's action going on. We're ready for it. But there's not really the cost associated with what Christianity was designed to do in us. So, so, so Christianity, it's beautiful and it's joyous and it's the most life-giving decision you will ever make in your life to follow Jesus but it is impossible to follow Jesus without it costing you something, if not everything. So, so, so that's what we're going to dig into today. And our, our key text that we've been in has been in Acts 2. And in Acts 2, we've been reading 41 through 47. I'm going to just jump right into 42 today. Let's read this together. and We're going to see what the disciples were devoted to as we're talking about this theme of being devoted. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, as Petey talked about first week, and to fellowship, as he talked about last week, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, sharing everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, 
met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and generosity. And here's the key. All of the stuff that they did, that they did all the sacrifice led to this. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's the key. That's why we exist as a church. That's why Jesus sent his disciples and told us about this, what we call the commission, the great commission. It's Jesus's mission that he came to this earth for that now we get to lead, lead people to Jesus. What a privilege that is. But you can see in this situation that they were devoted to the extreme to this mission. And what we've been looking at in this series, this, this word devoted is a Greek word, proskitero, which basically in our English translation would mean can't stop, won't stop. You can't stop me because I've seen Jesus at work in my own life. I've seen him with some of these guys. I'd seen him with the, their own eyes. They had walked with him. They had touched his body. They knew Jesus. So you can't stop me from this mission. That's what this word devoted means. So in this series, we've been talking about how when, it, when we follow Jesus, it's about close imitation. It's not a distant observation, but it's, I want to follow you. But that's kind of hard, isn't it? Like whenever Jesus isn't here in the flesh. So how do we follow someone that you can't see or touch today? And it almost seems like the disciples had an advantage because they were with him. But I think you see Jesus start it, the disciples continue it, and Christianity has only grown from there. And we've got this legacy to follow the example of what it means to follow Jesus. So as we look at this passage and a few others today, we're going to see, you know what, following Jesus is possible today. It's possible for us to follow Jesus and to join with him and to live a super devoted life like these followers. So here's the crazy part about being really devoted to the cost of following Jesus. We're limited people, right? Human beings are very limited. We can only house and nurture so many things at once. And, you know, a few years ago, Brooke and I were youth. Uh, we had been youth pastors for 11 years. And now our daughter is a student in youth ministry. And it was her first year that she was going to youth camp. So we come along as chaperones and we bring our son with us. We're in Montana at the time and Montana nights and the weather can just be crazy. It is super, you know, it's all over the place, bipolar for sure. And, you know, one night it's August and one night this cold front comes in and it feels almost like winter. We did not prepare for this. So we're in this little wooden cabin and we're sleeping on a blow up mattress and we've got pretty thin blankets on top of us. Our son is sleeping in one of the bunks. It's just us in the cabin. And he has a sleeping bag and a blanket on top of that. Middle of the night, you know how when you're cold, you're not comfortable, you can't really sleep very well. So we're not sleeping very well. So it didn't take much to wake us up. And all of a sudden we hear a thud. My son rolled off, uh, rolled off of the bunk bed and fell on the floor. So, you know, he's a pretty rock hard sleeper. He didn't even wake up, but he falls down. We've been freezing all night. And my wife, who is usually the most generous, the most caring, the best mom you could ever imagine. My son falls and hits the ground in the middle of this cold August night. And she says, grab his sleeping bag. It's <laughs> like, oh, savage, okay. She didn't say, is my son okay, any of that stuff. Because in that moment, 
the selfishness of the temperature of her body and her own comfort took over. And you cannot house and nurture selfishness and generosity at the same time. You kind of have to make a decision. Who am I going to be? What kind of follower of Jesus am I going to be? Is it going to be inward? Is it going to be about me? Or am I going to be about something bigger than myself? Matthew 16, Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, as his ministry on earth is kind of winding down, he's like, he's telling them, listen, this is not going to come to the end uh, that you want, that I want, but I'm going to have to go to the cross. I'm going to lay my life down for humanity. And he's telling them this, and he's laying it out in detail. And it says that Peter gets so upset And he gets so brave that he pulls Jesus aside. In verse 22, it says, he takes him aside and begins to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord. How can you possibly say no and Lord in the same verse? And Peter's like, no, heaven forbid. Like, you don't know as much about heaven as I know, Lord. This will never happen to you. Then Jesus turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, now this is crazy. So Peter ends up calling out Jesus. He doesn't like the trajectory Jesus is on and what he's saying. So he says, heaven forbid. Now, doesn't heaven forbid sound a whole lot like, did God really say? Now, in in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve are given the Garden of Eden, walking with God every day. And God says, there's one rule, don't eat of this tree. Satan comes and he says, did God really say not to eat of that tree? Maybe God's holding out on you. And Satan tempts Adam and Eve. They fall in that sin. And I think what Peter is saying sounds a whole lot like that. God wouldn't really try to take something from you, would he? God wouldn't hold something back from you. God wouldn't cause you pain, would he? Maybe to make it a little more relevant, doesn't did God really say, and heaven forbid, Lord, sound a whole lot like, but God wants me to be happy. I think that's something we hear today. It's something we try to tell ourselves. God wants me to be happy. He wouldn't have a problem with that. I can live that way. I can speak that way. I can do this because God wants my happiness more than anything else. God wants my happiness. And, and listen, I'm here to bring life and joy and, and bring hope to you today. But this might rock your boat a little bit. God is less concerned with your happiness than he is with the mission of Jesus. And there are moments in our lives when us devoting ourselves to the mission of Jesus will cost us it will be painful. This will wreck your faith. If you're not careful, you don't ask the right questions. It was God's plan for Jesus to be brutally murdered on a cross. How does that even make sense? God's plan does not always equate or lead to your comfort. And Jesus understood that the comfort that we desire today in this world, it can get in the way of the mission. If we're not careful, our comfort can get in the way. And I remember I heard a commercial recently and the tagline in the commercial was like, you deserve the cell phone service. And I was thinking, why? What did I do? I don't deserve this. Can I pay for it? That's the question. So I started researching advertising. And and for years, advertising has been using this phrase, you deserve it. 
You deserve a break today from McDonald's. You, the zero you finally deserve. You know, you deserve that Camaro. You deserve whatever you want. You deserve it, actually. You have a right to it. And I'm even looking at this commercial up here. You deserve the best. It's a beach commercial with LeBron James. And I'm, I, when I saw this, I was asking if I deserve the, bre- the best. Shouldn't it be MJ with the headphones on? It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just lost all the young people. All the people under 30, I just lost. Sorry. There's a guy named Michael Jordan. He was really good at basketball. Uh, strawberry Dr. Pepper. I tried it recently. I deserve better. <laughs> I can say that. It wasn't great. But we've got this idea today that you deserve whatever you want. You deserve it. You've done enough. You deserve it. You work so hard. You're such a good person. And Jesus is trying to tell Peter, he's like, he calls him Satan, not because he's Satan, because he sounds like Satan. And he's like, what you're saying to me is a dangerous trap. Jesus understood that comfort was actually a trap. It can stop us from fulfilling the purpose that God's called us to. And Jesus says this, I love this. He says, you're speaking from a merely human point of view. It's just human. Compared to God's divine view, you know, the Bible says that God's ways are way higher than our ways and we can't possibly even understand it. But the human point of view is merely human. It's so, it's so grounded, so little compared to God's view because we've got this human view that immediate gratification is everything. It's, it's what we live for. And, and I was reading this article by this guy uh, Mark Manson, who is not even a believer, but he's a New York Times bestselling author. And he, in this article, he wrote this phrase that just really captured my, my, my uh, you know, heart for this series. But also, I think it really illustrates where we are as a culture today. He says, in today's happiness-obsessed culture, most pursue happiness with no cost. All benefits. We want the rewards without the risk, the gain without the pain, but ironically, it is this unwillingness to sacrifice anything, to give up anything that makes us more miserable. And I think what he's talking about, even though he does not have a grasp on biblical truths and God's plan for humanity, he's speaking a truth that is just indicative of our culture today. Because we live in a culture that that glorifies and worships fast food, fast wealth, fast sex, and there's a way to get all of it. Immediate gratification is everything today. And, and, and we have to fight it like no other generation. But there's a cost to following Jesus. And it's not like the cost is like, oh, it's bad news. It's going to stink to follow Jesus. No, it is going to result in something beautiful. It's going to result in the most beautiful life you could imagine but it does not come without a cost. So I want to go through three things today of your note taker, and I hope you are. I hope this stays with you. Three things that I think God is calling us to that will cost us. First thing is this, it will cost you your time to follow Jesus. It will cost your time to follow Jesus. Yeah, I think that the local church, it really is. And what Jesus' mission was to grow the body of Christ that more and more people would come to meet him. It is the only eternal thing we're building in this whole world. And I know that we've got so many things that matter to us in life and, and so many things do matter, but nothing matters more than that which lasts for eternity. And you might be thinking, you know, I'm a parent. My kids really matter. Yes, they do. But listen, even as a parent, you're not called to raise good, obedient citizens. You're called to raise disciples of Jesus. What a gift that is. 
It's eternal. It's more than just a, a, an earthly way to look at it. The only things in this, world, in this life that, are, that should be at the top of our priority list are the things that last for eternity. And his church will last for eternity. And we get a chance to build it here through Peak City. So here's what I'm challenging you to. It will cost us time to do it. So there are so many things that need to be done for this church to look like Jesus to this city, for us to be a complete image and picture of the body of Christ. And actually, if you want to get bigger than that, it takes more than just this church. It takes every church in this city. But there's places that you are called to fit into in the local church and that without you and your gifting, we are incomplete. And, and people are missing parts of Jesus in the city if you're not a part of it. But it takes a sacrificial you know, perspective on your time. That I want to be a part of the teams here at Peak City. I want to be a part of outreach here in the city and the, some of the outreach partners that we have. I want to give my life to something that is significant. In Ecclesiastes 3, which is part of our recent Bible reading, in verse 11, it says that God has put eternity. He planted, planted, I love that word, planted like as if it's supposed to continue to grow. Eternity in the human heart. He's planted it in our heart. That means that the things that matter for eternity should be the things that we live for, should be the things that flourish in us. I love that perspective. And he's saying that, that we should consider what are we going to do that's going to be bigger than us? What, is, what can we be a part of that's bigger than us? And if you look at like all those verses in Acts, if you remember, it said multiple times, all the believers, all the believers, all the believers, they all did it. It wasn't like Peter was on stage and he had a light shining on him a candlelight with a cool reflector. It was like, it's not just Peter that was doing the work of the ministry, but it was all of them were a part of it and all of them were able to profit from it and saw the blessing of it and were able to touch and feel what God was doing. It wasn't just something they watched, but it was something they did together. I love that. In 2019, I remember sitting in Wingstop and my hands were all full of teriyaki sauce and it's all over my face, and I'm watching the TV, and Tiger Woods punts, puts the final putt into hole 18 and wins another Masters. Comeback story. It was beautiful. And I remember he celebrates, and he gets all pumped, and I remember with my wing in my mouth and barbecue sauce or whatever all over, I'm feeling in my heart, yes, we did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> I never met Tiger Woods. I would have nothing to say to Tiger Woods. I couldn't help his game in any way. But don't we do that? The Broncos win. We won. No, we didn't. They did. But we've got this idea that it was like it was us. Because I think we've got this perspective in our culture, this mob mentality that like we are this, we are America, we are the church, we are. And it's like, I wonder how much we actually are a part of it. You know, because there's a huge difference between just watching it happen and celebrating it and clapping and, oh, it's so great. I love seeing that and being a part of it because I'm, I promise you, those who are part of the teams here, when someone gets baptized and someone raises their hand, gives their life to Jesus, it just hits different. It hits different when you know, like, you know what? I welcomed that person in the door the first Sunday they came. I checked in their kids the second Sunday they came. I got, I got their towel when they got out of the water. Like all this stuff, man, we are part of what God's doing. We're not just watching it happen. We're a part of it. So it's going to cost you your time. Second thing, it's going to cost your resources to follow Jesus. It will cost your resources. And, and I mean, ultimately, it, it, costs, it costs everything that matters to us. And resources matter to us. It takes 
time, hard work, and effort to fill up our hands. I worked really hard for that money, for that savings, for that vehicle, for that tool that I don't want to loan out, for, you know, whatever it is. And God is calling us to live a life that does this. He says, you know what? You gave it to me. And here's the perspective. Here's how you beat entitlement. Everything I have, God gave me. I don't have any, I didn't really earn any of it. Because if not for God's grace, maybe I wouldn't have the intelligence to even hold this job or the physical capability to swing a hammer and build a house or whatever it is. God really gave it all to me. So then the question is, if he gave it to me, why did he give it to me? What am I supposed to do with this? He doesn't give it to us just for us. Yeah, we get to enjoy the things that God blesses us with, but we're called to multiply, to multiply. So when with our resources, we wanna multiply what God's doing here at Peak City, what he can do here at Peak City. So when we talk about heart for the house, it's not like a maintenance thing, like, oh, we gotta pay salaries, gotta pay the light bill, all that stuff. No, it's like, we got a vision for this house and we can reach it at the speed of your generosity. And we're not gonna put pressure on you because the Bible says that you should give with a joyful heart. But we believe that whenever Holy Spirit speaks to you and he says, I want you to give, I want you to be generous, that God can do what he wants to do with resources. And those resources come from us. They come from us. And and it's a gift to get to do that, to be a part of what God is doing in this city. We had someone who gave one year when we were student ministry uh, 11 years ago, you know, in student ministry, you don't get nothing free. Everything is, uh, is old and beat up. If somebody gives it to you at all, it's an old worn couch that's got pet stains and tears in it and all that stuff. And then one day this guy comes to us and he's like, I want to give you a brand new drum set for free. And we're like, what? We need it. Because ours sound like a bunch of trash cans. So that would be awesome. So this guy sets up this new drum set in our, in our youth building, and we're just so excited about this, man. It's so beautiful. I remember them pearly white. They were awesome. And we're setting them up, and then he says, hey, just one thing. He says, I, I gave these to you guys, and, you know, I'm glad to do it, but here's what I want. Um, I want my son to be able to play drums at least twice a month. Um, and, you know, we can have other people play it, but I'd like to know if they're playing and all this stuff. And he's got all these rules. And I'm like, man, your son... Is like, I don't even know if he's a Christian. Like, he's barely here unless there's hot girls here. Then he's here. Um, he's, he's barely like, like, he doesn't exemplify any of the characteristics of a follower of Jesus. Like, we're not just going to, like, allow this thing into our ministry and let it compromise the mission of what we're trying to do so that you can give and feel good about yourself. And I just think, like, sometimes people give and there's, like, something attached and here's what I think God's calling. And I don't, I've never heard a story like this here at Peak City, but I've seen it before. Sometimes we give thinking I'm going to give, but this is really mine. And when I give it, it's going to come from my hands into the church account, but it's still mine. And I want to watch where it goes. And I want it to land where I want it to land. And I want it to do what I want it to do. And it's really going to accomplish what I think it should accomplish. Here's what you see the disciples do is they sold houses and land and they just gave it to the disciples and they were like, I don't know what needs to be done, but you do. So why don't you guys just make it happen? And I think there was not only a spirit of generosity, but there was a spirit of trust. And in that, in that beautiful marriage, they understood that, you know what? People might be flawed, but I'm not giving to Peter. I'm not giving to the local church as like people. I'm giving to the bride of Christ because I believe in that mission. 
So I'm giving to something much bigger than us, much bigger than leadership, all of that. And I'm going to trust that God will get it where it needs to go. I just think that's a beautiful way to give. And, and when you think about what Jesus did in 1 John 4, 19, it says that, he lo- that we love because he first loved, that because he loved us first. So like in my generosity, in the way that I'm selfless, in the way that my life cost me, it needs, to, it needs to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus gave his life for those who would maybe never say yes to him. It wasn't about, it wasn't really, I mean, ultimately, yes, it is about Jesus, it's about his glory and his fame, but he did it for the mission that the Father had sent him to the earth for. He just did it. So, so we're gonna give of our time. It's gonna cost our time to follow Jesus. It's gonna cost our resources to follow Jesus. And lastly, it's gonna cost your flesh to follow Jesus. Okay, so when I say it's gonna cost your flesh to follow Jesus, there are some people in this room or some people online that you're watching and you're like, I don't have a whole lot of church experience, but apparently we're doing skin grafts now. <laughs> it sounds weird, I understand. Like, like Jesus even says, like, you've gotta eat my body and drink my blood if you're gonna follow me. Like, what, what is that? There's a lot of symbolism in Jewish writing and culture that, you know, they, they didn't have Instagram. They had, to, they had to have entertainment in other ways. So they had a creative way of speaking. So, uh, but in this way, you see this in scripture a lot. Your flesh illustrates your humanity, your human lust, your human desires. And that flesh is always in opposition to the spirit of God. So there's a war. And if you look at my Instagram feed, you're going to see a war constantly. You're going to see um, this guy who's challenging me to work out this week and eat well. And I'm going to watch that video and I'm going to be like, yeah, let's do it. And I will scroll one, just one little scroll. The next thing on my feed is going to be how to make an apple crisp pizza <laughs> in 20 minutes. And I'm just like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do them both. I'm at war constantly. And and here's the thing, like when you understand that my life, even though it's gonna cost me, there is a benefit to the cost. When I work out, I'm gonna consistently do it and I'm gonna see results. When I diet, when when I'm healthy, when I cut out sugar, I'm gonna see results. There's gonna be a cost and it's gonna be horrible for a moment, but it's gonna produce something beautiful in a second. So when you deny your flesh, yes, it is the most impossible thing to do. You see this, this language in scripture also around pruning a lot, that I'm going to take away what should not be there so that something better can come. I'm going to take away the branches that are spending energy and wasting time so that fruit can happen. And it might not even happen this season. It might be next season, but it's coming because I'm, I'm dedicated. I'm devoted to the cost of pruning right now. You got to say no to your flesh constantly. And I will be honest with you. I'm going to confess There are verses in the Bible that I do not like. And when I say I, let me put quotes around that because my flesh is not who I really am. It's what you see. It's what I see. But I'm more than my physical body. I am also spirit and that lasts for eternity. So my physical person, my flesh will read scripture and is, ah, don't like that. Don't want to hear it. Stop reading today. Good enough. But my spirit is yes and amen. God, teach me your ways. Show me how to do that. Show me how to lay down my life. Show me how to cut that branch off so I can be more like you. So there's a constant war in me and scripture makes it evident. So as you open up the word of God, you begin to see things that are challenging to us. In Luke 14, Jesus is talking about it costing our life, our flesh to follow him. 
And this is a fascinating verse because, you know, we've got the verse in Matthew that we just read and Jesus is like, I've got to go to the cross. And the disciples hated that. But then Jesus is like, oh, by the way, next level, not only do I have to go to the cross, but I'm going to ask you to do the same. And he says this in verse 27, if you do not carry your own cross, and I love how he says your own because it may be a literal cross is what Jesus is saying. And some of his disciples died that way. But Jesus knew some of you it won't be a cross. Some of you it's going to be something else. Whatever it is for you, if you don't carry that, if you don't lay down your life, you can't be even be my follower. You can't even be a follower of mine. You can't be my disciple. And then in verse 28, this is so wild. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. He says, I want you to follow me, uh, but you can't follow me unless you take up your cross. Oh, and by the way, don't even start unless you count the cost. So, I mean, as far as American altar calls go, this is a pretty lame altar call. This is not great. You're not going to get a lot of people running to the front for this. Jesus is like, you might not want to follow me. But he's like, but listen, there's, a, there's so much meaning in this. And I think the disciples wouldn't even fully understand this until after he was resurrected. Because when Jesus is saying this, they're like, go to the cross, man. We don't even, you're just going to die? We aren't, we've seen you do a lot of cool stuff, but we're not really sure that you are who you say you are yet. And this verse meant everything when Jesus rose again. Because what Jesus was doing and saying in this example is I'm going to the cross to die. And they're like, that's going to be horrible. Then he's risen again. And all of a sudden they're like, he was for real. He was for real. So when he went to the cross, he was like a seed buried in the ground that all of a sudden grew to now what we see as Christianity today. Millions upon millions of people following Jesus in his ways. Now, when Jesus asked his disciples and he asked you and me to count the cost and to take up our cross, we understand that all suffering is temporary. That when God requires something of me, I can trust him with it because there is absolutely something coming that will bear much fruit. It's a guarantee. And I love that perspective that yes, it's going to cost me, but it will not cost me at the expense of no fruit. There's something beautiful coming. That word cost, when Jesus says it, that Greek word cost is the word defane, which means this, to devour as an expense. It means to consume, to literally burn up everything. The Bible says that God, our God is an all-consuming fire, that everything that comes in his presence, he consumes that when the Holy Spirit gets involved in your life, he is a fire that burns away everything that does not belong in the next life. That's what it should look like for me to follow Jesus. And, and I think that things like fasting help us to get in the right perspective that I want my life to constantly be costing me something. I, I wanna give up, uh, I wanna give up food for this week. I wanna give up, even if it's social media or a drink or whatever it is, I'm gonna give up something so I can hear from the heart of God again. But here's the thing, here's the kicker. And if you're taking notes, last thing I want you to write down that when it comes to cost, there's two ways to do it. And legalism works for love while sacrifice works from love. So legalism 
It, it looks very costly in the way that you live your, 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 follower, your following of Jesus out, but it's, it's because you think you need to earn God's love. But he's already, he started with love, so you can't earn it. He already started with 100% love. So sacrifice is the perspective that, God, you have already given everything. The least I can do is offer you everything. So I'm going to give you my life. It's a different way to look at it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian um, who actually opposed Hitler and his regime. He was arrested and put in a concentration camp. And Bonhoeffer um, was, he was actually hanged right after his 39th birthday in 1945. But he willingly, he knew it's going to cost me my life to follow Jesus and to speak up for what's right, but it doesn't matter. And I love what he wrote in The Cost of Discipleship, his book. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls someone, he says, listen, I'm not calling you to the easiest thing. I'm actually calling you to come and lay your life down for me. And but what you see in this man, Bonhoeffer's life, and you see in the disciples as well. I mean, you think about the disciples and, and Paul, who was not officially a disciple, but later became one. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was pierced with spears. Philip was cruelly put to death. Matthew was stabbed to death. In Ethiopia, Bartholomew was martyred. James was stoned and clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot was martyred. Matthias was burned alive. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, the only one who died natural death but alone. And you think about this, what would it cost the followers of Jesus? They gave their lives for this Jesus and for his mission. They were willing to lay it all down because they saw the fruit of it with their own eyes. They saw the power of following Jesus, of giving a life to the mission of Jesus. And Jesus is still calling us to that kind of costly discipleship today. It may cost you your life. It may not. In America, we are so blessed. But there are Christians all across the world that still today die for their faith. They understand that this mission is so much bigger than me. And it's so much more eternal than this life. And it's worth giving my life for. So when we talk about the cost of following Jesus, there's going to be things that you will lose following Jesus. You will absolutely lose some things. But I can promise you that you lose those things for much better things. Jesus does have, as he says in John 10.10, 10, he says, I come to give you a rich and a satisfying life. And he wants to give you that. And part of that's here on earth. Part of that's in eternity. And he, he promises you good things. But he also promises that it's going to cost us. Bonhoeffer said again in another, um, some of his other writings, he said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. And I love that. I'm going to ask you as a church, let's just stand together and I'm going to give you a moment to let the Spirit of God speak to you about what might be a next step for you. What I, what I think you see again and again in Bonhoeffer's life, in the disciples' lives, and in so many martyrs, thousands and thousands of martyrs who have given their lives over a couple of thousands of years since Jesus has been on earth. What you see again and again is that every time that a life is consumed, like that Greek word for cost said, every time that a life is consumed, the, the message of Jesus grows and, and, the, and, the, and the movement of Jesus gains more steam. 
And, and you can almost look at it as this is a fire that is the movement of Jesus and that we get the privilege of being the logs that get thrown on that fire. And that every time that it consumes our life, it burns brighter and hotter and people are attracted to it. And I wonder today if maybe as I'm communicating this, if there's someone in this room, and I'm gonna hit two groups of people. And the first one is, is maybe you're here and for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you would say, you know what? I am not following Jesus. I'm not faithfully following Jesus. And to the best of my ability today, I understand that it will cost me something. I can't fully count all of it, but today I'm committed to no matter what the cost, I wanna follow Jesus because here's why. Because you just told me that Jesus, the son of God, the perfect son of God, came to this earth and lived a sinner's death, died in my place so that I could have a new life. If that kind of love is real and it exists and he did it for me, then my logical next step is to say yes and start this adventure. So whatever your situation is, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, bow your head, and let just, let just should be privacy right now in this moment. And if you're here today and you would say, you know what, Josh, I'd love for you to pray with me. I wanna follow Jesus today. Maybe I walked away from him and I'm coming back. Maybe for the first time in my life, I'm saying yes to Jesus. We had multiple people in the first service that did. And right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you in this room, maybe even online. If you would say, yeah, Josh, would you pray for me? I'm ready to commit to, to a life of following Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. Let the Spirit of God speak to you in this moment. One, two, three. I see it, I see it, I see it. I see it, hands all over. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna pray right now. And if you raised your hand, and let's just pray for those who raise their hand right now. Let's just pray a prayer in our soul right now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you died for me, that you love me, that you, you came in my place. You took my place. You lived a perfect life, but you died my death on a cross. And because of that, you offer me brand new life and I can be made right with God. So today I step away from the old and I walk into new, I walk into a relationship with you. I know I'll never be the same and I know it's gonna cost me, but I know it's worth it because your mission and your calling for my life is much greater than everything I've worked on to this point. So God, I'll step into relationship with you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those who made that decision today for the first time? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to worship again as a church, but right before I do that, everybody eyes wide open. We're going to make a decision together. If you're a believer in this room and you would say, you know what? I've lived a jogging pants Christianity and I have let comfort become king. But today I wanna to make a commitment that no matter what the cost, God, if you're calling me to it, I trust you with it. So God, if that's you, if you're calling me into it, no matter what the cost, God, just reignite my, my faith and my passion for you. Hands are going up already, let's do it, Lay hands up. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for it. God, you see every hand that's raised, every commitment right now. God, no matter what the cost, we commit to follow you wholeheartedly with faith and with trust that you are good and you have good things for us. So God, we lay down our lives and we follow you again. Yes, yes to whatever you say. In Jesus' name, let's worship together, church. Thank you so much for joining us for the Speak City message today. 
If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.